Now you can support this public radio program with a single click and get a tax deduction. Make a small donation now at mypublicmedia.org. From Public Radio. Carrie Harrison here. I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top secret issues. I've even racked up some of their awards, all while ferreting out the bottom line. Reality Check Live. It's next. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-917-1386. 800-917-1386. 800-917-1386. That's 800-917-1386. Preventing truth decay. Truth decay. Reality Check Live. Yes, we drank beer. I liked beer. Still like beer. And I like beer. Yeah, we drank beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. Sometimes too many beers. Yes, we like beer. We like beer. Judge Kavanaugh, thank you very much. Hearing adjourned. We have taken over your radio. We are now in control. We can crank up your radio's volume, or we can turn it down so low that you can barely hear it. Then we can turn it back up and mess around with the bass line. Or we can crank up the trouble. We can blow out your left speaker. Oh, my God. We can even make your radio sound like a broken CDDDDDD. We are in total charge. We are in complete control. We are Reality Check Live. Reality Check Live with Kerry Harrison. And it is Reality Check Live. RealityCheckLive.org. You can follow us on all social media ubiquitously across the board at GoHarrison. At GoHarrison. Will recent times necessitate current analysis? We all, well, how do we not know about Judge Kavanaugh? How do we not know about Christine Blasey Ford? How do we not know about the women who occupy, I love the fact that we can use that word, some 61% or greater of the planet? We even have cities like Northampton, Massachusetts, where Smith College is, that has more women than men. This happens all over the planet. And by the way, women outlive men a lot. That said, they're not treated equally as men. They're not paid the same. Uh, Six states now, I believe, starting with the state of Maryland, now are teaching consent in uh, sex education in schools. So now you have to actually get a yes. And that doesn't mean a yes muffled under a hand. That means an actual yes. We hear the s part of the yes and the y part of the beginning. All of that is changing, and we can thank the Me Too movement. Uh Uh-oh, I hear cringing, I hear squirming, I hear men shifting like this. 
loudly in their seats, leaning back, rocking. Well, you know what? It's not going away. It is time now to share the planet with our estrogenic counterparts. Yay! They who gave birth to us! <gasps> it's true. I have not yet found a male birth. I know people have tried, but it's not likely to happen. I want to introduce to you Brenda Gutierrez. She's a community organizer and, most importantly, the founder of the Me Too Survivors March, or Me Too of Los Angeles. This is the media capital of Earth. That means, Brenda Gutierrez, you are the leader of the Me Too movement of the media capital of Earth, Los Angeles, California. That is a big deal, and you're not 150 years old, which is what we might think you might be. I don't know how old you are, but uh, I'm guessing early 20s? 35. <laughs> All right. I get an extra point for that one. Yes. <laughs> I want to welcome you to Reality Check Live. Thank you. Um very happy to be here. So the Me Too movement uh, is only growing by the day. It certainly started with Harvey Weinstein uh, and, and Bill Cosby sitting comfortably behind bars right now, lamenting every single Mickey and Rufinol that he threw. Uh, there are millions of men around the country. Uh, most recently, we have now these uh, judicial nominees and others uh, having been uh, peered at through the proctoscope. Or do I mean speculum? Or I mean somehow being observed and examined more closely. This is probably a good thing. What is the future of the Me Too movement? I mean, you know, I, this didn't just start with Weinstein. Um, um, you know, this started a long time ago. It started 10 years ago. Um, and it just came forward, you know, recently. But I think definitely the moving forward, it's all about giving a voice to the survivors. It's all about the survivors saying, we will no longer be silent. We are here and we're going to make sure that people, these individuals are held accountable. Um, because for, as we can tell, for many years, they have not been held accountable. Uh, survivors have been silenced. That is what the future looks like. Uh, hopefully, a future without a movement like me too and i'm predicating uh, much of this conversation on uh, christine blasey ford whom we saw in recent memory um, having courageously shown up that is a, a brutal thing i just to be transparent i have a twin sister or a twister <laughs> and my sister has been raped three different times uh, she hasn't run out and talked about it because the shame is so incredible, plus the notion of facing uh, the person who did it to you. She, I don't know that she knows, but this was many years ago. Um, and it's horrific, particularly as a twin. I can feel it more closely, if you will. There's an intimacy between two twins. So I, as a male, have a, shall we say, a special insight or knowledge of what that probably is like. It feels even more personal to me than if I were just an ordinary brother. Sure, not to say that an ordinary brother wouldn't be wildly upset by it, but right. but I kind of get it maybe in 1% extra level there. Can you share with us your story, uh, Brenda Gutierrez, your story as a Me Too survivor of what happened to you that brought you into this movement and has ultimately made you the leader? Um, I was raped when I was 15 years old. I didn't come and you know say to anyone um no one outside my family knew what happened to me um it was very violent i was held for six and a half hours um you know just i had a lot of damage 
to, to, done to myself uh, to the point that it's very hard for me to even have children now. Um, in 2016, this individual, you know, I did not know he was following me and actually raped me again, which brought back a lot of trauma, a lot of, you know, it triggered a lot of my PTSD, which I had not dealt with. At the age of 15, I was, I had that idea that I couldn't really talk about it. I couldn't say what was going on. I mean, I'm sure that the people around me could tell that something was different because I went from like this straight A student to like someone that was like ditching school, getting in trouble constantly, getting into fights, you know, just a very different person. But I didn't see what was going on. I, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt it was my fault. I felt ashamed. I felt that I needed to just not pretend that it didn't happen. Um, so I never dealt with it in a very, in a healthy way. Uh, so as I got older, I just put it in the bag. I would still have, you know, my, my, my moments of depression, my moments of PTSD with nightmares, flashbacks, but I was still like kind of okay. I was still kind of not dealing with it. So when it happened to me again in, in 2016, it just brought back two whole things and and it was the same man it was the same same man um he had that many years later yes so we're talking about 10 years had passed and then he rediscovered you and then raped you yes. a second we, time. i actually bumped into him in one of my uh, in my work and that's where you know it was that's where he kind of kept taps on me and it was definitely a very traumatic experience to go through it a second time um the second time i didn't feel comfortable telling anyone about it um the only one that knew about this was my then you know partner and it was very traumatizing to hear like how can you not notice someone like following you and it was a lot of almost victim blaming pretty much a victim blaming so that just caused a lot of issues, which just ended ended like a, a relationship of 14 years. But um, that's kind of what just made me just be triggered all over again. Your whole family ends up being involved because it's just the nature of the the blowout from these things. Right, yeah. I mean, I know that my older brother felt definitely a lot of guilt because he left me alone that night and uh, my sister felt a lot of guilt because of the person that was very close to her um, so they both did commit suicide six months apart from each other um, six months after um, the rape so it, it's not just that it affected one individual it affected the whole family it affected a lot of my life afterwards so let's talk a little bit about your brother. So he, you're his sister, and I mentioned that my sister had been raped three times and how personal it was to me. How old was your brother and what did he do? He was 24 at the moment. Um, he was supposed to be with me that night, but he went and spent the night with his girlfriend. So the next morning, um, he showed up and to the hospital because the he had to like be there when they called him that this had happened um and i couldn't even talk to him i felt like so much like my first words to him were like where were you and 
add to that, it took me a long time because I felt guilty for a long time cause, because I felt that that phrase alone cost him a lot of guilt. And it took me years to kind of deal with that and, and tell myself that it wasn't my fault. The, the events after that were not my fault. Um, but I know he felt a lot of guilt. I know he felt a lot of anger. Um, he just wanted to hurt this individual that had to hurt me. Um, but it was just a lot of anger and a lot of frustration. And, and it was definitely a very weird dynamic after that. Um, there's, there's this thing that I do that everyone I, I come across with that I care and love, I do not go a day without saying I love you because he would say it to me a lot after that and I was so angry that I never said it back. So he committed suicide without me saying it back. From Public Radio, this is Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison. Now you can support this public radio program with a single click and get a tax deduction. Make a small donation now at mypublicmedia.org. News. Reality Check. Recast. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik, and this is your Medical Minute. Good news for women who have ever used oral contraception. A recent study of 1.8 million women of childbearing age shows dramatically reduced risks of developing ovarian cancer in those who currently or even formerly took the pill. The Guardian reports that the study, conducted by researchers from the University of Aberdeen and the University of Copenhagen, examined 19 years' worth of data and determined that women who have ever taken a modern form of combined estrogen and progestin birth control pills were 34% less likely to develop ovarian cancer than those who had never been on hormonal contraceptives. Even more impressive, current users enjoy a whopping 42% reduction in risk of the disease. While the study cannot establish causality, correlation among the huge sample size was undeniable. The recent findings mirror multiple previous studies of smaller size whose conclusions also indicated greatly reduced incidence of ovarian cancer for those on the pill. You can follow me on social media at The Actual Mercy for Reality Check Live. I'm Mercy Malik. Recap Reality Check Live. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 800-219-8332 That's 800-219-8332 Reality Check Live with Kerry Harrison We took a pause and we're in between coming back into studio talking to Brenda Gutierrez she is a member of the American Indian Movement and much more boldly the founder of the Me Too Survivors March and Me Too March International and I just wanted to get a little more of the story you were just hinting um, more about the rape experience and then what happened afterwards so your brother your whole family ends up being involved 
he was supposed to be with me that night, but he went and spent the night with his girlfriend. So the next morning, um, he showed up and he just wanted to hurt this individual that had to hurt me. Um, everyone I, I come across with that I care and love, I do not go a day without saying I love you because he would say it to me a lot after that. And I was so angry that I never said it back. So he committed suicide without me saying it back. So now it's, I'm making my, my thing that if I love you, I'm going to tell you and I'm not going to like hide it. Um, so it's definitely affected me a great deal. Um, my sister committed suicide six months after him. Um, they were twins, so of course, you know, it's... Like me and my sister, twins, it's, a, it's an incredible connection. So her losing her twin, your brother, your brother having felt so guilty about not having been there that night, though, you know... No one knew. I mean, we trusted this individual. Um, so I know she felt a lot of guilt because she brought this individual in, um, and she felt a lot of anger towards me and I and and that was something that we had to kind of deal with because our our relationship just completely broke down I mean if we had that rivalry before after that it was just there was no sisterhood there after that um there was just a lot of anger a lot of resentment um towards each other and after he passed away it just kind of grew a little bit more and then it started we started trying to rebuild that that family bond, that sisterhood, but it just, it was a lot for her. And, and she did um, commit suicide six months after, after he did. Um, she did do it in front of me uh, when I was 16. So that just made me completely shut down after that. Uh, I barely talked to anyone. I barely said anything. I, I was just very, you know, I had to deal with a lot of I did become a cutter. Um, a cutter, which is somebody who cuts themselves in order to feel the pain, uh, often drawing blood and whatever the trauma is that they're experiencing in their emotional sphere comes out as blood through a cut and you're, it's like you're bleeding out your trauma. Carrie Harrison here. This is Reality Check Live, a special edition as we talk to the Los Angeles leader of the Me Too movement and also the founder of the International Me Too Survivors March, Brenda Gutierrez. Um, so I had to deal with a lot of those issues, and especially because I wasn't saying anything to anyone. I wasn't letting even my closest friends didn't know what was going on or why. Like I just kept it all to myself. Um, because I, I did feel guilt. I did feel that I had lost my family because of something I did. Um, so I did not want the judgment from other people. So I definitely did keep it in and just <laughs> said nothing to anyone. Um, and it just kind of stayed there for a long time, years. And I never said anything until... After 2016, that's when I was just, I'm going to be more open about what happened to me. And I did start talking to, to some of my friends about what happened and, and everything after that. Um, it was definitely 
hard because after the rape, I, you know, there were a lot of rumors about me and in school. So I became like a target sometimes. Um, so I had to kind of deal with that as well because there were things that were being said about me that weren't true. Um, but, you know, when you're young, it's just devastating to <laughs> go through all that. Um, now as I'm older, I, I can see how it just made me stronger. Um, I can take a lot. I have. I, I think I grew with a very thick skin, so I can take a lot without taking things personal. So when I go to events and talk about being a survivor and there's individuals that just have really mean things to say, it doesn't even really face me anymore. It's just like you, you're someone that probably needs to learn a little bit and be educated, but it's definitely not not easy. It's been like rough Past, the two, past two years, I think, have been the most rough um, because I did have to start dealing with things that I didn't deal when I was 15. Because I didn't deal with it then. It's just, it all just kind of came all together at once. And it was like, okay, I, now I really need to deal with it. Now I need to like address all these issues that I have to be able to be okay. My heart is beating so fast right now because I, I don't know that I've really ever heard anything quite like that. Um, I wish I could say I was surprised that they continue to blame you, like somehow you were wearing a short dress or the usual kind of stuff that people like to say. Um, what about the perpetrator, whoever this guy is? Is he behind bars now, or he uh, the the first time uh, he got five years, got out in three. Uh, although you know he had to get fifty plus something stitches, broken bones, a lot of damage that was done to me, not just like physically, but emotionally, mentally. You had fifty broken bones. No, uh, I got over 50 stitches in places that we shouldn't get stitches. Um, but he got five years, was out in three, and then I really didn't hear much um, about him. Um, the second time, he got 10 years. Um, he did commit suicide in his first few months there, um, which just left the whole better like bitter feeling in me because it just felt like he never actually got what he deserved which was actually like some kind of like punishment like he took the, the easy way out and but he's not here to cause any more harm to anyone else so it's a very like <laughs> you know weird confusing emotions all the time every time I think about it so it's it's definitely hard to like think because in my mind, I never got a why. I never understood why after so many years still targeting. I didn't understand why when I was 15 and I don't understand why now. Um, so it was just that why is always there. And I, and I know I'm never going to get a, a, an answer and I'm never going to get a, like an actual reason to why this individual just derailed my whole life and just 
cause so much harm, not to just myself, but like to those loved ones around me. Well, I'm glad you are representing millions of women, millions of women. And the healing starts with you. As Gandhi taught us, we have to create the world that we want to live in. And you are creating the world that you want to live in, which is making it a safer place for other women. And um, and you're not alone. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, when I was 15, that's all I felt, alone. Um, the second time around, I went to court by myself. So I did feel alone for a long time. So I know that for the first Survivor's March, when I got up there and saw so many people there, it was heartbreaking and at the same time very powerful because I realized I wasn't alone. Uh, there were other individuals there with me. And at the same time, it's like, shit, I'm not alone. Why is there so many of us? You know, and it's it's crazy to hear the I get a lot of uh, messages sometimes of stories of individuals telling me their truth and to hear a lot of them say you're the reason why I'm coming out and like talking about this just it's like really special to me for them to trust me enough to share their stories because I know how hard it is um but it, I, it just makes me want to work harder on this, and it makes me want to have a future without movements like me too. Like I hope that there's a day where where we don't have to say this, like when we don't have to say "time's up," when we don't have to say "me too," when we don't have to say I, "we believe her." You know, that's my hope. I hope my niece does never have to go through the the things that a lot of us have. You know, so that's my hope for. For the future. Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison. RealityCheckLive.org. Now you can support this public radio program with a single click and get a tax deduction. Make a small donation now at MyPublicMedia.org. Reality Check Live. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? Mm. What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. 800-814-5188. 800-814-5188. That's 800-814-5188. Reality Check Live with Kerry Harrison. I just want to reintroduce you. People drive around. There is Dorothy said in Wizard of Oz. My, people come and go so quickly here. 
We're talking to Brenda Gutierrez. She's a community organizer, also the leader of the Me Too movement here in Los Angeles, California, uh, and the Me Too international movement. She's also part of several other organizations in the community, works on lots of issues like housing and homelessness, animal rights, immigration, environmental and other social justice issues, uh, not to mention a member of the American Indian movement of Southern California. So you have quite a big footprint, and she is also a... uh, Victim is is a reasonable word. Do we still use that? Uh, I guess so. I'm more, I I think about it more of a survivor. Survivor. I think, Excellent. I think uh, victim is when it first happens, yes. and it takes a while to yes. get yourself out of that mindset and say, say like, no, now I'm a survivor of this, and I'm not going to let it you know, rule my life. A survivor of having been raped twice by the same man with a spread of about 10 years. It turns out he was stalking her. Stalking does not necessarily mean you're wearing bright lights and uh, running up to people and saying, by the way, I'm stalking you. So they watch you in the grocery store. They monitor when you come and go and figure out the best time and the best time for that opportunity. And as we learn a little bit about rape, and there is no exact understanding of any of it, but it's a power situation often, uh, though it may be performed as a sexual act, it's somehow the man has to have power over you. And um, uh, I, I think there's also things that uh, PTSD survivors get to have access to now. It's called EMDR. You've probably mm-hmm. heard of it. It is a Uh, psychological exercise used with binaural oscillating frequencies or or rotating left-right in the ears or pulses in the hands, back, forth, back, forth, and it tends to allow the logic side of the brain to meet with the emotion side of the brain. And when we have, as uh, Christine Blasey Ford, who is a neuroscientist who was testifying in front of the Senate, was talking about how the hippocampus stores these memories as basically little chemical nuggets. Um, If you see something or even a smell, we'll release a memory and bring it back as though it's happening real time again. And that's PTSD. And you can't just wish it away because it's a bad thing. And the I, I don't know what the actual numbers of surviving rape women who have been raped survivors are, but I imagine the number is astronomical, and those are just the ones we know about. Uh, Brenda Gutierrez, a survivor and leader of the Me Too movement of Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of uh, survivors that don't report. Uh, you know, there's still this stigma of what are people going to say? Are, am I going to be blamed? Am I going to be judged? Am I going to be believed? Um, so a lot of rapes do go unreported and so like the numbers are crazy so just to think these are just the ones that we know of um i know a lot of survivors most survivors that i know do suffer from ptsd do suffer from flashbacks nightmares i know for me personally there's certain uh there's a certain alcohol that I can't smell because it will trigger memories. There's this song um, that was playing on repeat for my first rape for six and a half hours. So I can't not hear that song. The moment I listen to it, like I even hear a bit of it, like it triggers a lot of memory and it brings me back to being 15. And it's been, <laughs> I'm 35 now. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I that you just can't control sometimes as much as you would like to. You just can't. Um, but there's a lot of resources out there now. There's a lot of women out there, a lot of male survivors out there talking about this. So it's not like 
now is the time we see like Christine Lacey Ford, she came out and she talked, Anita Hill, she came and, and, and came forward. We've seen all these strong women just coming forward and talking about, about things and about this issue. And it's, I think it's definitely making it easier for those that are affected now to not feel blamed and to not feel alone and be able to say, this is happening to me. We're going to pause for just a moment, take a breath here and uh, reset. We're talking right now to Brenda Gutierrez. She's a community organizer. She's also the head of the Me Too movement of Los Angeles, California, part of the American Indian movement of Southern California and uh, the founder of the Me Too Survivors March uh, and uh, the Me Too March International. And she's telling her personal story and why Me Too matters now more than ever. Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison. News. Reality Check. Recast. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik, and this is your Medical Minute. Your favorite breakfast cereal may cause cancer. CBS News reports that a recent study conducted by Environmental Working Group found that cancer-causing chemical glyphosate in 43 out of 45 oat-based American food products tested. Even more disturbing, 31 of the 45 sampled contained concentrations of glyphosate well in excess of levels considered by the FDA to be safe for consumption by children, and many scientists believe that the FDA's permissible levels are already too high. Products identified as containing potentially dangerous concentrations include multiple varieties of Quaker oats, Cheerios, and back-to-nature granola. So where did the glyphosate come from? Look no further than the infamous Monsanto, because glyphosate is the active ingredient in the company's controversial weed killer, Roundup. Against ample evidence to the contrary, Monsanto continues to claim that glyphosate is not a carcinogen, yet the evidence was more than sufficient to convince a California jury to recently ordered the company to pay $289 million in damages to a plaintiff who successfully argued that his cancer was caused by exposure to Roundup. And now on a related note, your American Minute. When many of us hear the term crowdfunding, we think of people appealing for help to get a business or artistic project off the ground. But recent data from GoFundMe reveals that one out of three American crowdfunding campaigns are attempts to raise money to pay for medical bills. That's right, more than 33% of GoFundMe campaigns are motivated by an inability to pay for necessary medical treatment. Yahoo Finance reports that nearly 28 million Americans are still not covered by any type of health insurance and many more are insufficiently covered. Under the current private American health insurance system, the U.S. spends more money on health care than any other nation in the world, yet comes in dead last among developed nations in rankings of overall quality of care. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik. Recap Reality Check Live. RealityCheckLive.org Yes, we drank beer, I liked beer, still like beer. And I like beer. Yeah, we drank beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. Sometimes too many beers. Yes, we Traffic Tracker. Reality Check Live. Kelly Berry with your Reality Check Live KPFK Traffic Tracker. In South LA on the 110 northbound west of Channel Street on ramp, the crash has been reported and no further details yet. In Santa Fe Springs on the 91 westbound west of Downey Avenue, there's an accident being reported. On the 405 southbound just north of Willow Street, there is a non-injury crash. In West LA, on the 405 southbound, just north of Rosecrans, there is a non-injury three-car crash blocking lane number one. On the 105 westbound, just west of Long Beach Boulevard, looks like a fire is blocking the fourth lane from the left. 
on the 110 southbound at the 5 north, there is a signal. Traffic is backed up all the way to Via Marisol. And in South LA on the 405 northbound, a car, a stalled car is blocking the Inglewood off-ramp. With your traffic, with your reality check live, KPFK Traffic Tracker, I'm Anita Calitberry. Reality Check Live Traffic Tracker Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison And it is Reality Check Live RealityCheckLive.org Carrie Harrison here with you You can follow us on all social media At GoHarrison At GoHarrison Across the board Whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Donald Trump It's all the same At GoHarrison We're talking right now with Brenda Gutierrez She is the leader of the Me Too movement of Los Angeles uh, Amer- uh, L.A. is the second largest city in the United States So you have a... Uh, uh, well, let's just say the optics are huge. You're also the head of the Me Too March International, the Me Too Survivors March, and you just told us your personal rape story for the very first time publicly, and, and I didn't realize that that was going to happen. So uh, it, it's a huge act of bravery, much as uh, any woman that comes forward, uh, because I think there's a lot of shame attached to it, um, fear that it could happen again. Um, what do people think? And remarkably, and it seems remarkable in this modern era, it's, you know, half the men somehow claim they just don't believe it. They just don't believe it. Uh, and I do believe it. Uh, how many times have has somebody lost a temper and kicked a dog or smacked a student at school? Uh, just turn on the local news in any city, and that's all you see is people smacking, stabbing, bullies going at it. So how can this not be believed except, and here's the big except, except that it's inconvenient for men to be outed exposed this way why do women muslim women have to wear burqas because the men cannot control themselves it's not it's not the women climbing on them it's that a man cannot simply in in i see how i have to tiptoe around this i'm just going to get in trouble no matter what i say that's for sure so i'm going to turn it over to you because i'm smart that way (laughs) um yes it was crazy for me to see after the first uh hashtags of me too started coming out all the conversations that i had with uh our my male friends a lot of them were like wow we i didn't realize how often this happens or how you know how women go through this all the time and it was just crazy to me because i know that as a woman as a woman of color i've had to deal with it my whole life. Uh, I've had instances when I'm crossing the street or walking and someone comes and just feels that it's okay to like smack me in the butt. And, you know, Um, so for me, it was having all those conversations with all the men around me about like, hey, this is an issue. This is happening. This isn't just a women's issue. This is like an issue that men have to be able to address as well um there's a lot of rape jokes there's a lot of oh boys will be boys a lot of oh it's just rock uh, locker room talk when it's not uh, a lot of that locker room talk can lead to a lot <laughs> worse things i mean we see it with uh brett kavanaugh he's <sighs> i don't even know <laughs> the word <laughs> to describe him well, entitled bully some might say right um that's a polite 
I am polite. Sure. I'm um, a wasp. <laughs> I have good. I can even know which berry fork to use. Um, you're exactly right on here, and much of this comes from. Uh, uh, I'm going to make an example: waterboarding. We most of us, or I'd say 99% of us listening, talking, have never been waterboarded, but we get the sense of what it's like not to be able to breathe under a napkin with water being poured on it. It seems almost impossible that that's what happens, but that is what what happens. And that has been made illegal along with other, used to be anyway, uh, illegal along with other forms of torture because anytime you don't allow somebody to move on their own, it is the most extraordinary kind of oppression. When a bully pins somebody down on the ground, that can change a whole child for a lifetime. Right. And what you're talking about, having been raped and, and other women, what they go through multiples, dozens of times that we never even learn about, uh, it, it just, and carrying that throughout their lives, I, I can only imagine how frightening it must be sometimes just to walk through a grocery store and, and a guy looks like somebody that you might recognize. I mean, it's also, I don't think men will ever f- have that fear of walking to their cars in the middle of an empty parking lot. I think a lot of women can say that that, that itself sometimes is very scary. Uh, walking by yourself, having to carry your keys in your hands, having to rush in there, having to make sure that you get in, in that door. A lot of men will never have that fear. And it's... It's crazy to me that we are just now having a lot more of these conversations. Um, now we're talking about consent. Now we're talking about all these other issues. And it's been too long. It should have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But it's happening now. And all we can do now is make sure that we teach our young, <laughs> our, our youth consent that an absence of a no does not mean yes and you know it's it's a hard conversation to have with with our, uh, a lot of other individuals i know that after hearing a lot of oh you know i didn't know this was happening the next conversation was like oh well now i don't know how to treat a woman and now and in my mind i was oh, like i love that one i was like really that's <laughs> the problem like uh, yeah now like i can't hire a woman because like what would she might like take things the wrong way yeah you know, if you do about, it the wrong way <laughs> how about you're a decent human being and treat another human being with respect then you don't have to worry about any of that oh that's pretty simple <laughs> it's it's a very simple so, concept so but. basically if i behave and don't We'll just say overreach. Be vague. If I don't overreach, you and I are not going to have a problem. But when I do, it's a problem. And by the way, it's it's same sex as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't matter who or what. Uh, It can be even women to men. It's an overreach. And a, a, a quick definition of rape might be taking sex from someone who does not want to give it. Period. Right. And if you violate that, it is a major violation.
We're talking right now, actually finishing a conversation with Brenda Gutierrez. Uh, she is a member of the American Indian Movement of Southern California, also the founder of the Me Too Survivors March and the Me Too March International here based in Los Angeles and who told us first time ever about her personal rape story uh, when she was 15 and then 10 years later the same guy was stalking her and it happened yet again and as a survivor what it's like uh let's just finish that in the next two minutes um hope and and cure if there is um there's definitely hope um i think a lot just having these conversations is is gives me a lot of hope uh being able to talk to other survivors uh being able to give a voice to those that are usually not acknowledged, our male survivors, our homeless women, our missing and murdered indigenous women who are at the highest rate of for sexual assault and many times are not even talked about. Um, but we're having these conversations now, and that gives me hope. That gives hope to a lot of other survivors, and we're just going to keep having our voices heard, and we're definitely not going to be silenced any anymore. You can go to realitychecklive.org. Realitychecklive.org will have some links uh, for survivor sites and other things that Brenda Gutierrez is going to supply to us, including links to the Me Too movement. And I'm going to just make a quick final public challenge. Uh, as men, it is our duty to protect our women. It's very simple. We happen to be stronger. It's not uh, impolite or politically incorrect for me to say so. So we have a real obligation. Carrie Harrison with you. I want to thank you, Brenda Gutierrez. This is Reality Check Live. From NPR, this is All Things In Consider. Reality Check Live. Now you can support this public radio program with a single click and get a tax deduction. Make a small donation now at mypublicmedia.org.